0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series called... um Grit, and what we're doing is really we're just breaking down grit and what it is. And last week we started with gratitude, and each week we're going to be talking about one letter of grit. It was gratitude. Today we're going to be talking about resilience. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about inspiration, and then the last week we're going to be talking about tenacity. And so I'm excited about this because really it takes grit to really walk out and live, I believe, the way God has called us to live. Our scripture really for the whole text, for the whole series is James chapter uh, 1, if you want to pull it up, in verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance, let grit. You need to be mature. Let it mature you. Let it make you complete, not lacking anything. I say it this way. Really, the, the ingredients to growth is grit. There is ingredients to growth is grit. He's saying, listen, let it, you know, perseverance, and through that perseverance, through that grit, you'll become mature and complete. I said it last week. I'll talk to you about what grit means. Grit means this. It's just a determination undeterred by confrontation, a determination undeterred by confrontation, and the scripture says, we just read it, counted it as joy when you face these trials, when you face struggles, when you face hard times, why? Because it's creating grit in your life to help you become mature and complete in all of our lives, and a TED Talk recently, there was this statistic, they said, after years of studies and the underlying common con, uh, characteristic of those who were successful and joyful, they found were not people with higher IQs, people that they found, these study that, that they took, where they found that the people that were most successful and joyful in their lives were not just people with the highest IQs. In fact, it wasn't just an IQ. It wasn't that they had a special gift. It wasn't that they were better than in their field or whatever they were trying to be successful. in. in fact, it wasn't even personality traits. They found that the number one characteristic they had in people that were successful and joyful in what they did was they all had grit. They all had grit. This undeterred this, undeter- this determination, excuse me, that is undeterred by confrontation. I have this determination no matter what I face, that no matter what, I, what confrontation, what struggle, what I'm going to counter with joy, and I'm going to have grit. Why? Because I understand that it's going to help me grow and become complete in Christ. And so it starts, we talked about last week, with gratitude. Grit starts with gratitude. We have to have a heart that is, gratitu- gra- that is grateful for where God has us and where he's brought us and what he's given to us. Well, today, I want to talk to you about resilience. Resilience. We are a culture uh, really in our, in our generation where we are looking, for, God is looking, I believe, for people that are resilient. And there's really two paths in life we can take. We can take the path of resilience or we can take the path of least resistance. We can take the path of resilience or we can take the path of least resistance. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, I want to show it to you. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Oftentimes we read the scripture, this is Jesus talking, and oftentimes we read the scripture and we think this is talking about eternity and it is. It is talking about eternity, how broad is the road that leads to destruction, eternal destruction. And narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. That is true. But I love in the scripture, if you read Jesus, he doesn't just say eternal life. He says, actually, if you read it in verse 13, he says, and leads the way to destruction and eternal life. Leads the road. The road is broad. The path that is easy, it's broad and it's, it leads to destruction and eternal life. Meaning this, destruction on this in this life and the life beyond. Then he says in the life that we give, the path is narrow and it gives life. And Jesus said he didn't come to just give life, but he came to give life more abundantly. Eternal life, yes, but also life on this planet today. Life more abundantly And him and the path of resistance, excuse me, the path of least resistance is oftentimes the broad way. It's the easy way. It's the, it's the, I'll do what I feel and oh, I'm gonna kind of shrink back and oh, I'm just gonna, it is what it is. I'm just gonna give up or I'm gonna quit or I'm gonna let go. It is what it is. And it's this path of least resistance. And that's the, it's a broad path where the scripture says many are on it and it leads to destruction. Then it says, narrow is the gate. I love it. It says, Narrow is great, small is the road that leads to life, and only a few fight. Only a few in this life are people that are living on the path of resilience. And what is resilience? You're like, oh, what does that mean? It just means be resilient. I want to give you a definition of what resilience is. It says this it's the power or ability of a material to return to its original form, to its original position after being bent, compressed, or stretched. Resilience means it's the power or ability to, of a material to turn back into its original form or its original position after being bent, compressed, or stretched. In Jordan terms, what does resilience means? It means to be able to bounce back, to be able to bounce back. To be people that can bounce back when we face trials, when we face struggles, when we face situations that maybe we don't like or we don't love. When things get hard, we're able to bounce back and continue to be who God has called us to be. And I see this in the scripture with the, the story of the Moses' of mother. Na- Moses' mother. His, her name was Jochebed. We see in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, it says this, "By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's command." If you don't know the scripture of the story, no big deal. I can share it with you very quickly. What happens is there's this Pharaoh who gets afraid of the Israelites. The Egyptians uh, have the Israelites in slavery. And the Israelites are growing, and they get nervous. The Egyptian pharaoh gets nervous that they're growing so much in numbers that that, that he says that one day they're going to take over and overtake us. we got to destroy the Israelite boys. And so he says, I want you to go and destroy all the newborn babies that are boys. And he has all these children killed and destroyed because he's afraid of what the Israelites might become. Well, the Bible says that right here, Moses' parents, this mother named Jochebed, that they said they weren't afraid of the king's command. In fact, they weren't gonna have their kid destroyed and they hid him away for three months. I wanna read it to you today in Exodus chapter two in verse one, there's a few scriptures here, so just kinda of go with me as we read together. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But well, when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. This king, this pharaoh creates this decree that all babies will be killed that are boys. And this mother d- defies this decree and says she, she hides him for three months. And then she gets to the point where she can't hide him any longer in the Bible. So she makes this basket and with tar and pitch. And then she puts places the baby in the basket. And she sets him in the reeds of the Nile. And then has her daughter watch from afar the basket. The Bible says the Pharaoh's daughter comes and sees the basket, finds out it's the child. And the the most interesting thing happens, she she says, she doesn't say, oh, it's a Hebrew child, destroy this child. No, in fact, she says, oh, it's a Hebrew child. And she says, oh, the sister says, hey, will you want me to go find somebody to nurse him for you? And she says, yes. So she go gets her mom. So Moses is actually nursed by his own mother. And then not only that, his mother, not only is nursing her child, getting the privilege to do that, she also gets paid for it. Come on, somebody. Mom's in the room wouldn't it be nice? Come on. Wouldn't it be nice if you could pay, get paid for? Okay, doesn't matter. <laughs> the Bible says that when the child gets older, then she brings him to Pharaoh's daughter and his name is Moses. Now we know the story. Moses ends up being the one that God raises up to deliver Egypt from the, the oppression of the Israel, of the Egyptians. Deliver Israel from the depression, o- oppression. Of the Egyptians, and we see that really, honestly, other than Jesus, this was this man Moses was probably the greatest deliverer of uh, any generation before or after. And so we see Moses really gets to really become who God has called him to be, all because of this woman named Jochebed, who was willing to be resilient even through situations that really, what we would say, are beyond what we could imagine. And I, want to, I see this in this story just very quickly, a few things that really what it takes to be resilient. What does resilience look like? It talks, it, it, we talked about it being a, a thing that where you bounce back. Well, How do we really do that? What does it really look like? And I think this, one, I see from the scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, it says Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. They were devoted to the child. I think resilience has a devotion to it. Resilience has a devotion. And when I say devotion, I'm not just saying, oh, things are good, and so we're devoted to it. But really, this is what's happening. This, king, this Pharaoh, this king is having men of his army go and destroy and kill all the children in the area. And not only that, if they would have been found hiding this child, they would have been killed themselves because they were disobeying the decree of the king. And so they were willing to be devoted to the child. Why? Because they loved the child, they knew this is who God had called them to raise and be with. And so what did they do? They said, you know what? I'm devoted and I'm gonna allow, no matter what I face, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how sh- much of a struggle it may be, I'm going to choose to stay devoted. This is how God has called us to be. When we go through times of trial, when we go through hard times, when we go through struggles, God has called us to be people that live devoted. There are four different things I see in this scripture of really, really tested Jochebed's devotion. One, the scripture says, we just read it where, we just talked about it where the king is actually going to to kill all the children of that age that are boys. And Really, what does this mean? She was mistreated. She was mistreated. She had to remain devoted even through being mistreated. And here's where I know, again... This was not fair. This was not, this was not something that, oh, well, this is what God called. No, this was literally just the enemy and the evil of the world was mistreating her, and she chose to not allow this, this mistreating to cause her just to say, oh, it is what it is. I give up or, oh, I'm going to whine and complain. No, I'm going to remain devoted to where God and who God has called me to be because I know I'm, if I stay devoted, God's going to show up in my life. Devotion. She was mistreated. Now, in our day and age, in our time, we consider being mistreated just being offended. And that's not necessarily what I'm talking about when we say being mistreated. It's not just being offended. That's just our feelings are hurt. Now, in this day and age, this wasn't just offended. He didn't just, the Pharaoh didn't just come to Jochebed and say, oh, you're ugly. And she's like, oh, my feelings are hurt. You mistreated me. And again, this is not what we're talking about. This was actual, really, she was being wronged. Her child was trying to be, they were trying to kill her child. This is what real mistreatment is. You may get your feelings hurt in a situation or circumstance at your job or in your neighborhood neighborhood or in your family, that's not necessarily being mistreated just because you get your feelings hurt. I'm not hating on getting your feelings hurt. I'm not saying that. But oftentimes what we have done is we've lost resilience and we've just allowed ourselves to just say, oh, we're being mistreated because we're offended. And then we're never able to grow the way God has called us to grow because we just are offended in our hearts. Does that make sense? Talking about really being mistreated, being wronged. And you may have walked through a situation in your life relationally where you've been wronged. Maybe it's in it's, it's something like that. I want to encourage you. This scripture, I love Jochebed, it was a bounce back situation, resilience. She said, I'm not going to let what someone is trying to do to me or what someone's done to me to, call, to keep me from really becoming who God has called me to become. Mistreated. Also, then she takes the baby and the boy and she puts him in a basket and she puts him in the reeds of the Nile. And the scripture says, then she leaves. She has her, her daughter watch the basket from afar. She had to have be devoted even through misfortune, through loss. If you're a parent in the room, could you imagine the concept of putting your child in a basket in a river and then walking away? You would feel like a failure. You would be asking questions to yourself, like, What could I have done different? How could we have hit him just a little bit longer? how, what's the, well, I don't, what else could we have done? And you would be, and you would imagine the pain of, you knowing you have to walk away from your child and leaving him in a Nile river. And she had to learn this concept of, okay, of resilience is, even though I've gone through loss, I'm going to continue to bounce back and do what God has asked me to do. Cause I know if I trust him, if I'm devoted to him, he's going to come through for me. Maybe you're in the room or online and you've gone through loss. Maybe you've lost that promotion that you thought you were going to get. You lost the job that you thought you had been working so hard for for the last 5, 10, 20 years. Maybe, Maybe you've lost a child and miscarriage. Maybe you've lost a family member that's close to you. Maybe you've lost a friend. We've all had situations of loss in our lives. And I'm not saying those things are good. But what I'm saying is God calls us to say even through the loss, God desires for us to bounce back and continue to be who he's called us to be. To loss. Then we see in the scripture as she places the baby on, in the Nile River, the, the Pharaoh's daughter picks her up and, and picks him up, excuse me, and gets him and calls for her to nurse him. And she gets the privilege of nursing her own son. But then even after nursing her son, the attachment, for those that are moms in the room, you know, the attachment you receive with your child as you're spending time with him, then he gets old enough and she has to go still and give her son to Pharaoh's daughter. She missed out on a lot of the portion of his life of raising him. This is part of the devotion where she had to say, even through the devotion, even though I've been mistreated, even though I've had misfortune and loss, and even though I may have missed out on some things, I'm going to continue to trust God and continue to walk with him and continue to know, be devoted to him and what he's called me to do because I know in the end, God is the one in control. Because if here's what's interesting. If she would have tried to continue control and keep him for herself, Isn't it interesting that Moses would have never been able to have the opportunity to be able to be the man that God called him to be, which later on in the future was to lead all of Israel out of slavery? It's a bounce-back situation, this concept of understanding that God has called us that even through mistreatment, we're going to bounce back. Even through situations of misfortune and loss, we're going to bounce back. Even when we feel like we're missing out, maybe we feel alone because we're single. And we feel like we're missing out because we don't have that relationship. Can I just encourage singles for a minute if you're single? Nowhere in the scripture does it say that if you don't have a significant other that you're missing out. Nowhere in the scripture does it say if you're single that you're missing out. For some reason in our culture, in our society, we have created this concept that if we're not with someone, that there's something lacking in our lives or there's something wrong in our lives. And that is not what the scripture says at all. In fact, the Bible says, Paul writes it, he says, it's better to be single. And I had a few women say amen, but that's okay. Praise God. Why? Because it's not this concept of us missing out. No, we understand. No, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be devoted to you. And as I do that, I know I'm not missing out. Why? Because my relationship with you, not because of something I have on this planet. Does that make sense? Does that mean God wants you to be single forever? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we can't think that we're missing out on something because we don't have something someone else has. God wants us to say we want to be resilient. We want to bounce back and say, no, even though I may not have it the way that I want it, I'm going to continue to trust and be devoted to him. Does that make sense? We have a, I have a little illustration I want to show you today. I have a little illustration there. Yeah. Good, good, good. I need another person. Uh, David, come up here, buddy. Dave Mecca, You can come up here. There's two Davids. Dave and David. Next to y'all. There you go. Come up here. Okay, good, 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 cool. Stretch this out. Okay, stretch this out. Okay, cool. Okay, so resilience means I'll read it to you again just in case you didn't hear me. The power or the ability of a material to return to its original form or original uh, position after being bent, compressed, or stretched. Okay, so resilience means this. Uh, y'all stretch it out a little bit. Stretch it out. There you go. And so the resilience means this. It's in its original form. It's in its original position. Resilience is just this. Stretching it Now it's back to its original form. Pushing it, I'm gonna get in front of it because it'll snap my head off. It's back to its original form. That's resilience. Or, let's go this way. Hey, resilience is just crumpled up. Some of y'all, you feel like you've been crumpled. You know what I'm saying? Just back to its original form. I've missed out, I've been mistreated. I've been my, my husband or my wife or my spouse or my friend and betrayed me or my 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 friend, my backstabbed me that that coworker threw me under the bus or or, or 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 that business deal went sour because my business partner lied to me and cheated me and all this stuff's happened crumpling up and I'm able to just. Oh, well, I've lost a child, or, or I've lost a family member, or I've lost a friend, or I lost that position, or I lost that job, and I lost that opportunity, and I lost that moment where I could have done dot, dot. Am I saying any of those things are wrong or, or good? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, resilience is no matter what I face, I'm able to come back to who God has called me and created me to be. I'm missing out on, I missed out on that promotion or I missed out on that, that opportunity to, to be with that person and I missed my shot to, to date that person so they're dating someone else and now they're supposed to be my boo but now they're somebody else's boo and now I'm just all caught up and now I'm being territorial and weird. And then I, Y'all know what I'm talking about. I missed my chance to get that job opportunity. I missed that call and I had my one shot and I was in the wrong place at the wrong resilience is no matter what I face, I'm able to allow God to continue to do what he's called me to do and be who he's called me to be. Here's the problem and what we do oftentimes as humans. This is what we do, what, the, the things are being mistreated or the things that, again, this is who we're supposed to be, we're supposed to continue to go back and bounce back and who he's called us to be and be who, we, who he's originally created us to be, but oftentimes through being mistreated or through being hurt or through being wounded or, or through missing out, here's what would happens. We get caught up and wrapped up in that situation. So now, oh, oh thank you, brother. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh my. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Okay. And here's what happens. Now the very thing that we're supposed to bounce back from actually is the thing we're wrapped up in. And the thing we're wrapped up in then traps us from really being, look at this. I'm not only not in, my origin, in the original form, now I'm all went up, now I can't function the way that I'm originally meant to function. And this is oftentimes what happens where this this path of least resistance where we just, oh, well, I was wounded. And, oh, they hurt me. And, oh, they mistreated me. Or, oh, they abused me. And I'm not talking and saying abuse is good. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the response we take towards that is what keeps us to really being trapped and, and locked in or being resilient and bouncing back and being who God has called us to be. We get locked up, chained up. And you ever met somebody, I'm sure you have, that 20 years from their divorce, they still, every time they hear the person's name, something goes off in their heart. You ever met someone 30, 40, 50 years old and they say something, says something about their father and something goes off in them and there's this anger in their heart towards their father even though they're 50, 60, 30, 40, 50 years, 80 years later. Why? Because what's happened is we have allowed the mistreatment to, to trap us instead of allow us to bounce back and be resilient in who God has called us to be. i got to bounce back because the purpose of it, hey, thank you, brother, the purpose of it is that here's what would happen, that then well, those things, if I'm, the, if I'm the thing, the situation that bounces off of us, it, we, not only does it bounce off of us, here's what happens, I love this, okay? So I bounce off of it, so now the hurt, the shame, the pain, the guilt, all the different things, it, it bounces off of me, okay? But not only did it bounce off of me, here's what happens when you push it and stretch something far enough, watch what happens. It bounces off, but then it also shoots back, so now, not only am I pushing those things away, the mistreatment, the pain, the shame, now not only that, when I come back to my original form, God launches me into a greater destiny because I'm not caught up and trapped by the things that maybe should be holding me back. Why? Because I'm devoted to him. I'm not devoted to the situation that harmed me or hurt me. And this is what Jochebed did. Jochebed said, I'm going to bounce back. I'm not going to let these things keep me from doing what God has called me to do in my child's life. Amen. Y'all can go back. Thank you, brother. Appreciate y'all. Y'all give a hand to these brothers. Appreciate y'all. So important. Because here's what I know. I wrote this down. My devotion to whatever that is, is what causes me to bounce back from. If, I'm not, if I don't have a devotion my eyes aren't set on my devotion. Here's what happens. When, when life hits me, when hurt hits me, when trials hit me, when struggles hit me, here's what happens. I'm not able to bounce back. Why? Because my focus is so much on that situation. But when my devotion is on something, my devotion to God will help me bounce off and bounce back from the things this world has to offer. My devotion, bo- my, 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 my bo- I don't know what I'm talking about. My devotion is on raising my children godly. That when I, when it, my devotion, that means when they disobey or they disrespect, I'm bouncing off that and I'll be able to continue to raise. When my friends, when I, my devotion's on God, my friends are all going out and partying and, and drinking and, and you're, you're clubbing, and, but my devotion's on him, now I can bounce off that. Why? Because I know God's called me to a greater purpose than just what, what's going on around me. Does that make sense? so important to understand this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. They were were not afraid of the king's commandment. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. See, this is interesting. Not only did they just just disrespect, not disrespect, I'm going to say not only did they disregard the king's command, the Bible says they were not afraid of the king's command. What does this show me? It shows me that resilience has this devotion, but it also has a defiance. It has a defiance. And when I say defiance, oftentimes when we think defy, we think rebel. I'm not talking about rebellion, okay? Rebellion is this. The Bible says rebellion is, 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 is like the sin of witchcraft. It's just as bad. Rebellion is this antichrist spirit. Let me just explain what rebellion is. Rebellion is this antichrist spirit that comes against and wants to rebel against God and what God has for us and what God has called us to Rebellion. Okay, so now I have teenagers in the room. You're like, oh, he's talking about defiance so I can defy my parents. No, that's not true. That's rebellion. And that sin is just like witchcraft, the scripture says. What I'm talking about when i are talking about defiance, it says that he literally says they were not afraid of the king's command. They were defying what the king was trying to do, which is to kill the children, okay? Now let me show you another scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse six. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I won't, be, I won't fear man because I know what can, no, nobody can do what God can do, he is my helper. And then in Acts chapter five and verse 29, the scripture says, and Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. What's happening in this story Peter and John are preaching, and these men, these leaders of the city, this, the priests and the synagogues and the, and the religious leaders, they come to him and they say, hey, we want you to know, you can't, You got to stop preaching about Jesus. You can't do this anymore. Go, you, you're going to go to jail. You're gonna get, you, you, can't do, you, you, you are not allowed to preach about Jesus anymore. And, and Peter literally says, I want you to know, we got to obey God, not you. There was this defiance all throughout Scripture Okay, not a rebellion, a defiance. Let me explain the difference. The, a godly defiance is this. I'm gonna defy what is defy. I'm gonna have defiance towards what defi I'm gonna have defiance towards what is defying God's word. I'm gonna have a defiance. To- I'm gonna defy what defies God's word. Rebellion is defying God's word. De- a godly defiance is I'm gonna defy what is defying God's word. Does that make sense? So she comes against, and she says, I'm going to defy what the king says. Why? Because that is not the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is, my child shall live, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to defy the king's command. The scripture where the, these men tell Peter and, and the apostles, stop preaching. That's not the word of the Lord. I'm going to defy that. Why? Because I know this is how God has called me to live, and so I'm going to defy what the world tells me to defy if it's against God's word. Because the enemy, the world, the culture, society, the antichrist spirit, the, 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 the Lucifer, Satan, or whatever you want to call him, the goal for him is for us to defy God's word. And so what we have to do is we have to be willing to be defiant against what defies God's word. word. Does that make sense? No, it's a lot of, okay, anyways. It's interesting because Jochebed defies the Pharaoh's command. And in the very next scripture we read in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, we just read 23. In verse 24, check out what Moses does, the scripture says. By faith, Moses, when he had grown, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. I'm sure Moses heard the story from his sister on how mom saved your life. I'm sure he heard the story of his mom when she was celebrating and praising and thanking God for Moses. I'm sure he heard the story of how she defied the king's order. And the scripture says right here in verse 24 and 25 and 26 that Moses literally defies as well. He has this defiance, this defiance of, well, let me explain what it is, defying things that are defy the word of God. The scripture says right here, verse 24, if you want to go back, it says, he disregarded or he would not be called. He chose to be mystery. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known by the Pharaoh uh, as Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known at what culture was trying to call him and who he was trying to who they were trying to make him be. What does this show us? There's this defiance that we have to have, as Moses did, the defiance of the labels of culture. Culture will come against us. And come against the word of God and what the word says, who we are and how how the word says that we are to live and who we're called to be. And we have to be bold enough, hear me. We have to be bold enough to defy those labels because in the end, the Bible says we're sons and we're daughters of the most high God. If we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts Jesus is Lord, we're sons and daughters. And so the labels that the world try to put on us or against really what God's word is. And so we have to defy that. No, that's not what the word says. That's not what the Bible says. That's not who God says I am. That's not, and so here's what I know. We can't allow what the world, what culture, what our friends, or even ourselves, our own feelings will tell us who we, we think we are. No, we have to go back to the scripture. And what does the Bible say about who we are? Because we're living in a time and a world in a place where this is just the truth where if the majority says it, it must be true. If the majority labels it, then it's gotta be true because that's the majority. Can I just encourage you, and I may have said this already in another series, but I'm saying it again, just because the the majority does it, doesn't make it right. Just because the majority thinks it, doesn't make it right. Just because the majority feels it, doesn't make it right. What makes it right is, is it in the word? Is it how the word tells us to live? Is it the word of God? In his, and if it's not, then we have to be willing to defy those thought, thoughts and defy those, that, those processes because we know we're standing up for who God has called us to be. Then it says that he, and that he uh, verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with people of God. Notice 35, go back to where you are. You were in the right spot. God, rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he defied the labels of the culture, but also the lifestyle of the cult- culture. Lifestyle of culture. We're living in a time in a world where everybody, every everybody says it's it's your world, it's your life. Do what you want, how you feel, what you think, what's right for you, what, you, what you, what's your truth, what you whatever you feel. Just go with it. Just run with it. It's all good. You're not hurting anybody. It's you. And there's this lifestyle, the scripture says, the fleeting pleasures of sin. It's this, this the, what, what can I find that pleases me? Even though it defies God and defies his word, what can I find to, 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 to please me? And this is what the scripture says, that Moses said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose, he said, to be mistreated. Along with the people of God, he he chose to be mistreated along with other brothers and sisters in Christ. He chose to be mistreated. So even though it may not be as fun, it may not feel as good, it may not look as good, I'm going to choose this over this. Why? Because I know that this lifestyle leads to destruction that the world is telling me to live. And I know the only life that God is calling me to live is the one that leads to life and life more abundantly. Broad is the road. The majority are on it. It's the path of least resistance. Whatever you feel, just run with it. Whatever you want, do it. Whatever, the pleasures, it's your world. Or, but narrow is the one, the road, the path that's resilient that sets. Even though the majority are doing it, I'm gonna choose to say, I'm gonna defy what comes against the word of God in our lives. Lifestyle is so vital because let me tell you something. We're living in a time and a day and an age where the world is radical. We're living in a time and a day and an age where the world is radical. And when I say radical, y'all know I mean radical. The world is not, and the culture is not afraid to do whatever and say whatever and think whatever and make fun of whoever and all these different things. And here's what I know, I believe this, that God is looking for a people that are gonna be radical for him. That we're going to be willing to stand up and defy what is defying his word. To stand up and defy what the world is telling your, for you to teach your children. You say, no, that's not what the, world, that's not what the word says. So I wanna teach my children the word because I want them to live in life and life more abundantly. I don't wanna live in the, the path of destruction. And so God is calling us as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, God is calling us to be a people that say, it's time to stand up, not in a mean way, not in an aggressive way, not in an unloving way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there comes to a point that if we don't allow ourselves, hear me, if we don't start defying what the world says, here's what happens. We're going to miss, the, the. I believe, the opportunity to reach a generation for the Lord. And it's, isn't it so interesting that the very defiance that Jochebed decided to do against the king, it was the very thing that allowed Moses to be alive and actually be in the free a whole generation because she chose to defy what was defying the word. And I want to challenge you. You never know those teaching those biblical principles to your children and standing up for truth in your workplace and standing up for truth in your home and standing up for truth in your, in your dorm room and your, on your team. You never know the impact you are having. And so it's important. Don't be afraid and caught up. I love it. It says they weren't unafraid. She, they didn't care what the other people think. We as a culture have, as cr- of Christians, we have gotten too caught up in caring what the world thinks of us we have gotten too caught up in thinking of caring what the world thinks of us. Because here's what I know, if we care about what the world thinks, here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna conform to what the world wants. The Bible says don't conform, but transform. We're not called to be, to be the people that live the way the world wants us to live. No, we're called to, in the lifestyle of the world, we're called to live the way God is wanting us to live, in the lifestyle the word of God is telling us to live. I know this isn't like the most fun, hippie, cool message. But I'm just, I'm telling you, we are living in a world that is radical. And it's so sad to me that the church, for some reason, I'm not talking about our church. I'm just talking about the church in, as, a, in a, as a whole in our country. It's interesting where the, the, the world has become more radical than the church. And the church is trying to like, we're trying to be a light and we're trying to like be loving and kind. And, but like, we don't want to like overstep our bounds and like, okay, well you think what you want and I'll think what I want. And that's totally fine. I'm not saying be mean to people, but what I'm saying is if we just allow, we just laugh at the same jokes or we just do the same things and we just agree to everybody with every lifestyle what's happening is nobody's able to see the truth and if no one's saying the truth how will people ever be free because the Bible says where the truth is when we receive truth we know truth the truth will set us free And so it's this concept of yes we do it in love yes we do it in kindness but we're not afraid we're not afraid of what someone thinks to be honest I'm at the place in my life I could care less what somebody thinks of me because in the end, here's what I know. What's important to me? It's not what somebody thinks of me. What's important to me is my child and my children and what they think and what they know and who they believe in. Not what someone thinks of me. Because in the end, here's what I know. You're, everybody's the feelings about us are fleeting. But God has called us to make a small impact in the small circles we're in. And if we get so caught up in just conforming to what the world wants us to do and not defy against the things that are defying God's word, we're gonna miss what God is calling us to do as a people. Is this all right? So serious, I know, but hey, it's so true. Defiance. Lastly, as I close, the scripture says that she goes in Exodus chapter two, she goes and she makes this basket And she puts tar in it. And then she places the baby in the the basket. And the Bible says that she puts the basket in this Nile River amongst the reeds. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible doesn't say that she puts puts him in the Nile and then just watches him float off. Salutes him and says, best to you, buddy. Scripture actually says she places him in the reeds. And then the scripture says, so interesting if you read it, that she has her daughter... Moses' sister, she has her from afar watch what happens to the basket. So interesting. Resilience. It has a devotion. It has a defiance. It also has a determination. A determination that says, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever whatever I got to do. Whatever I, she says, whatever I do to save this baby, I'm gonna do it. If I gotta put him in a basket and I put him amongst some reeds, I'm gonna put him. So what she does is she carefully places him in the reeds. And then she has her daughter watch. I love this because it's almost like this. I've done everything I can do. And now here's what I want you to do. I have to walk away because I, I can't be seen with this baby, but you're younger. So what I want you to do is I want you to stand by and watch. She wasn't saying, I want you to stand by and watch because I think a crocodile is going to eat this baby. You wouldn't want your daughter to see that. It's almost as if jo- Jochebed knew, I want you to go and see the hand of the Lord do something miraculous. As I've done my part, I'm trusting he's going to do his see determination and resilience is not just i'm not gonna quit it's i'm not gonna quit on self yes i'm gonna do whatever i gotta do but it's also i'm not gonna quit on god i'm gonna continue to believe i'm gonna do everything i can do and then when it's out of my hands god now i'm gonna put it in your hands and i'm gonna watch and wait and trust that you're gonna come through in my life a resilience You may have done all you can do relationally and you're like, I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what else to do and I just want you to know now, okay, you've done all you can do now. You step back and you say, okay, now I want you to watch. Why? Because I have this perspective that knows God is gonna show up in my life. Why? Because Romans chapter eight and verse 28, a very famous scripture, I wanna show it to you. It says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things The bad stuff, the hurtful stuff, the mean stuff, the aggressive stuff, the stuff we don't want to think about, the shameful stuff, the regretful stuff. All things work together for the good, for those who love God. What does this show me? It shows me this, this story of Jochebed. It's the same thing. It's I'm going to do my part. Now here's what's going to happen. It can't just stop at my part. It can't just stop at resilience. See, we have a people that sometimes just resilient, resilient. I'm just not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. That's great. But it can't just stop at my resilience. It has to also go now that we trust in his providence. So God's my resilience and God's providence when they meet, All things work together for his good. It's so interesting. I'm closing, I promise. Get some mom some cheeseburgers or something. Come on, somebody. It's interesting that she has Pharaoh's, excuse me, she has her daughter watch. And not 40 years later, actually a little longer than 80 years later, Moses is in front of the Red Sea. I didn't tell the first service this. You get a a freebie. Moses has all the Israelites, millions of people, and they're all stuck at this Red Sea. They've done everything they could do. They got all their stuff out. They were free. They're walking, and they get stuck at this Red Sea. And it's so interesting because Moses says something so vital. He says, I want you to stand by and watch. I want you to stand by and I want you to watch God move almost as if his mom when he was a young boy shared the story, hey I want you to know I was so resilient, I had devotion to you and to what God called me to do in you and through you and oh I had to be defiant to the things that was defying the world, uh, defying the word of God and I want you to know I had to defy some things and I was, I was not afraid because I knew God would care for me and for you but I also want you to know I was determined I didn't just, just say I'm not going to quit I didn't quit on God, I said God I know I'm going to do my part but when I do my part. I know God, then you're going to do your part. And when you do your part, something miraculous always happens. And it's almost like he knew. And so he says that all the people watching millions of people stand by, hold up, watch. We've done our part. Now, God's about to do something incredible. And oh, my goodness, was it something incredible? I want to encourage you today. I'm closing, I promise. I want to encourage you. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's happened to you. But I do know this. God is looking for a people that desire he desires to be resilient, to bounce back. Why? That we would take our resilience and then put it in his hands and allow his providence to match it. And then from there, oh, my goodness, will miracles happen in our lives. Oh my goodness, what miracles happen in our generation? Our generation, the generation coming up, is not too far gone. It may look dark, but let me tell you something. I'm so excited about the dark. Why? Because the darker it gets, the brighter the light begins to shine. And God is looking for a church. Hear me. And I'm not just talking about one church, but the church in general as a whole. And God is looking for the church, the people of God, men and women of God, to stand up and say, I'm gonna be resilient, I'm gonna bounce back from my own pain, but I'm also gonna defy the things that defy the word. But then I'm also gonna be determined, I'm not just gonna quit. I'm not gonna quit on God, I'm gonna keep believing, I'm gonna keep praying, I'm gonna keep trusting, I'm gonna keep believing, I'm gonna keep praying, I'm gonna keep trusting. It's been 20 years, I'm gonna keep praying, I'm gonna keep trusting, I'm gonna keep believing. Oh, it's been 40 years, I'm gonna keep praying, I'm gonna keep believing, keep trusting. Why? Because I know my resilience. And His providence, when they line up, miracles happen. This is the God we serve. And I believe it with all my heart as we rise up with resilience, we'll see His providence like never before. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? I thank you so much.